your Bibles, please go with me to Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2. And so uh, we're going to be looking this morning at a well-known story and a part of the the Christmas season, but actually uh, you probably are aware, maybe you're not aware, that this story, this narrative happened uh, quite a bit, uh, 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 quite a bit of time past from the birth of Jesus until this narrative, even though the The manger scene and the nativity scenes, usually you have Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, you have the shepherds, and then the wise men. The wise men actually didn't get there for for a little while after uh, Jesus was born. Let's pray as we get into, uh, we're going to read Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12, and then we're going to pray as we ask God to bless his word uh, as we hear it and study it. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, and by the way, I'm in the Christian Standard Bible, CSB you're following along in the Bible app. If you do need a copy of the Bible, just slip your hand up and we'll get a copy uh, to you. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all uh, Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And this is a quote from Micah chapter 5, written about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word that you've given us so that we would know the story of Jesus We would know the story of the world, and we would know our own story. Even though it was written so many thousands of years and hundreds of years before we were ever born, this is our story. This is the story you are telling of what's happening in the world and what's happening in in your plan for the world. And part of that is this story of these these magi, these wise men, these, these rulers coming and bowing down before King Jesus as a reminder that you are bringing all things under his feet, and all of the nations will one day come and bow before his throne. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do that in our hearts this morning, that you would put our hearts uh, down in, inside that stable and, and laying down and bowing down in worship before King Jesus. And I pray you just help me to say everything you want me to say. Uh, if there's anything I'm not supposed to say that I've thought about saying or prepared to say, that you would edit me out. And if there's anything I need to say that, that's not prepared, that you would just have freedom to, to help me to say that by your grace, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. So I read this article recently, and it, it, they actually did a scientific study 
of what would have happened if these men had actually come from the east and had followed a star trying to get to uh, a location in Bethlehem. And there's, there's a, um, they, they had this graphic where it showed that the way the earth's rotation is that under normal circumstances, the star would have actually led the wise men in a circular pattern down through Judea and Palestine until they finally got to Egypt, went across Africa, back across Africa, and circled around until they ended up somewhere in modern-day Botswana. Because the way the, 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 the stars move under normal circumstances, that, that's what would have happened. And the, the article was not a Christian article, and it was basically trying to show the, the, the silliness of this Christian story and try to say that this is some sort of a myth or some, some sort of, of a fable that's been uh, made up as part of the, the, the story of Jesus. And what, what I think it illustrates is the way the wisdom of the world misunderstands the nature of what God is teaching in the Scripture and what the Bible is actually teaching that the wisdom of God doesn't rest on the natural assumptions of, of the way we tend to view the world. Because though a normal star would have led them in that way, the whole point of the Bible and the whole point of the story of Jesus is that God is not doing something natural, but supernatural. And so if you approach the story with assumptions that things are going to behave in the way that you always expect them to, then you're going to come to the wrong conclusions. The, the, the key word is that this article and people who read the Bible in this way assume that the natural world is the only, it's, it's, it's totally and completely closed off from supernatural events. The wisdom of the world reads a story like Matthew 2 and it, it, and it imports a modern-day... We were just talking this morning during setup about the scientific method and how it's actually not neutral. It's based on a whole set of presuppositions and assumptions that assume that the natural world is all that there is. But this is not the assumption that the Bible is based on, and this is not the assumption of Matthew when he wrote this story as he had heard it told to him. The Bible is a supernatural story. It's a story that's based on different assumptions, and those assumptions are that God gets in the midst of our lives. God gets in the midst of human history. God gets in the midst of things that are happening, and He intervenes and does things that we couldn't have anticipated or expected or reproduced by our own methodologies. The supernatural story here is the story of God putting this star in the sky to lead these rulers to the feet of and the footstool of King Jesus' throne, which was actually the manger in the stable. The story in Matthew is in Matthew chapter 2. Now, I don't know, you may not know much about the Bible. I know we may have some, some folks in here who've never really read the Bible. Maybe you're skeptical about the Bible. Maybe you're not sure about the Bible. Or maybe you're just, you're interested in the Bible, but you don't know a lot about the Bible. Um, but, but here's one thing to know, and you don't have to be an expert in the Bible to know this, that Matthew chapter 2 comes after Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 2 comes after Matthew chapter 1 because it's the next section of the story, the next part of the narrative. And that first chapter in Matthew tells the story of Jesus' birth. Well, actually, before that, it tells the story of the genealogy, the family lineage of Jesus in Matthew 1, uh, 1 through 17. 
It's all these names listed there showing how Jesus came into the world. And then Matthew 1, 18 through 25 tells how this angel appeared to Joseph and told him that Mary was going to have a child even though she'd never been with a man and she was going to get pregnant and that, that she hadn't been unfaithful to him, but God had done a miracle and that this child would be born and would actually be God the Son incarnate. And then in Matthew 2, we see riding on the heels of this story, uh, this, this, this mysterious story about these rulers of the East, these, as, as the, the Bible calls them, magi or wise men. We don't know where they came from. We don't know how many there were. The story traditionally is three of them, but we don't know that there were three. It doesn't say that there were three. It says there were three gifts. It doesn't say there were three wise men. We, we usually think of like three guys on camels sort of like humbling along through the desert till they get to the, till they get to the stable, but I think it was a lot different than that because we don't know exactly who these guys were, where they came from, but they were, clearly, they were clearly influential. They were clearly wealthy. They, they, they were clearly important, and so I think the story was a lot less like three guys sort of like sneaking into town or sort of, you know, casually riding into town on camels. And I think it was a lot more like the, the scene from Aladdin, where Aladdin finds the, the bottle, the, the lamp in the, in the cave, and he meets the genie, right? And he says he wants to be a prince so that he can have the princess Jasmine fall in love with him and they can get married. And so the genie creates this huge, this huge parade of Prince Ali. You know, you've seen the scene, right? Prince Ali, mighty is he, and he's this massive, everybody is, it, I mean, that's what must have been happening if they got the attention of King Herod. If they got to, to, to have an audience with King Herod, there is something huge that's happening here. There's this massive spectacle as they're coming into town with all their power and all their wealth, and they're saying, where is this new king? We saw his star in the east. We saw this star rising. These men would have been astrologers. They would have been men who watched the sky and looked at the stars for signs. And somehow in the midst of their pagan idolatry, God has stepped in to lead them to the truth. We don't know where they came from, only that they came from the east and that they saw the star. And that somehow, mysteriously, God has clued them into the mystery of the universe. They've packed up their lives and they've caravaned across the known world to find Jesus. The, the Jewish Now, this is surprising because they weren't expecting a king. The Jewish people were expecting a king. All throughout the Old Testament, um, there's, there's promises that there's going to be a king who would come. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will raise up a righteous branch for David, he will reign wisely as king and administer justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this, his name will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Zechariah 9, 9 says, rejoice. Look, your king is coming to you. Now listen to this. This is from Numbers 24, verse 17. A star will come from Jacob and a scepter will arise from Israel. He will smash the forehead of Moab and strike down the Shethites, and Edom will become his possession, and Israel will be triumphant. One who comes from Jacob will rule, and he will destroy the city's survivors. He will be king. So how did these guys know? Well, they followed the star. They followed the star. 
God gave them this special indication of his purposes found in Jesus Christ. They didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the Jewish scripture. They didn't have the Hebrew Bible. They didn't have the Old Testament. But they had this, this evidence of God's grace in the sky, and they followed what God had shown them through it. What, what, what God was doing is he was aligning their circumstances to lead them to the king. So here, here's, here's the point, uh, I think, for you, is, is that you need to follow the star that God is putting in the sky for you. He's moving supernaturally in the moments and the, and the movements of your life to point you to Jesus. He's, he's moving in, in what, what theologians sometimes call his providence, and he's aligning circumstances, and he's in the natural, the natural rhythms of your life, he is putting things into place that are telling you where to go. He's, he's putting the star in the sky, and he's leading you to the king. So, so may, maybe uh, you're, you're, you've been recently diagnosed with some sort of, you have a health diagnosis, and, and God has given you that diagnosis, and he has put that circumstance in your life to lead you to Jesus. Or maybe you don't know what the next step is. Maybe there's some uncertainty. Maybe it's good uncertainty, like excitement, next stage of life. Or maybe it's bad uncertainty or scary uncertainty, like things are falling apart. Well, God has put those things into place in his providence because he loves you and wants to bring you to Jesus. Maybe you, you have a new job. God is ordaining circumstances to lead you to Jesus. And I, I would just encourage you, as you enter into 2019, to, to enter into a season of, of just praying and, and even fasting to seek the Lord and look and say, what is God doing in this story? What, what is God putting into place and how has he uniquely positioned my circumstances and what is he saying to me? What is he leading me to do? Now, here's the, here's the thing. That's a good place and a healthy place to start, to look at providence and the circumstances of life to, to try to discern what God is doing. But it's not ultimate. If you, if you look to the circumstances of your life and the providential orient of your life to discern God's will, you're going to end up in a dangerous and unhealthy place. Because you can't interpret the circumstances of your life without the interpretive lens of the Bible. So, so God has given the Bible for us to know his will. So we can't just look at life and the circumstances and say, oh, this thing lined up with this, that must be God's will. You have to interpret those things through the lens of the scripture. I already mentioned when I was making announcements that we're going to be reading the Bible together in 2019 because that is the most critical thing you can do in your life is to read your circumstances through the lens of the Bible, not the other way around. Notice, notice what it says in chapter 2, uh, Matthew 2, the kings come and they say, come in verse 2, they say, where's this king of the Jews? We saw his star and we want to worship him. Then look in verse 3, it says, King Herod heard this. He was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him, verse 4. So he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. He, so, so, Herod, you have to know a little bit about Herod. Herod was a guy who was a ruthless and, 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 and cutthroat politician and also extremely, extremely shrewd. He, was, he, was, he, at one point, had two of his own sons killed in order to maintain power. 
He was a man who knew how to curry favor with Rome so that he could remain in power. And he, he was half Jewish and half Gentile. And he, he was never really accepted by the Jewish people and he never really embraced the Jewish faith. And what he's afraid of here is he's afraid to lose power. He, he, he was a man who had built architectural marvels all throughout the Holy Land. He, the, the, the modern day temple, if you go to the modern day where the, the temple mount is, that was Herod's temple, that, the, the parts of it that are still standing. Uh, he, he had built palaces all throughout, multiple palaces for himself. And he was a man who had seen how rulers could rise and how easily they could fall. And he wanted nothing to do with a new king who might threaten his power. So he gets these, these scribes together to find out where the Christ might be born because he knows he's on the wrong side of God's story. And he knows that God is at some point going to bring a king to supplant whoever might be in Israel at that time with a king who was truly the rightful king of the people. And the scribes get together and they look, and in verse 5 it says, in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet, Matthew 2, 6, and you, Bethlehem, are by no means least among the rulers, because out of you will come a ruler. So the, the, the scribes, they knew the scripture, and what they told Herod is, yeah, these guys are coming in, they're following the star, the star is this indication of God's plan, but when we look at the scripture, we see through the lens of the scripture that these things are lining up with the scripture as well. So here's, here's the thing. You need to follow the star of your circumstances and the providence that God puts in your life to lead you where he wants you to go, but you have to learn the Bible. You have to study the Bible. You have to learn and read and soak in the scripture. The star is not sufficient to find the Savior. Your, your, your circumstances are not enough to discern God's will for your life. You have to get into the Bible. And if you try to read your life apart from the word of God, you're going to misread it. You're going to misinterpret circumstances. You're going to misinterpret things. And you're going to read them through the lens of your own desires and your own assumptions and not through the lens of what God has written. So look at what God is doing in your life. What, are the, what is the, the, the proverbial star that God has put in the sky? I think this is the way we should go. I think this is the way what I should do. I think this is what God is doing in my story. I think this is what he wants it to be. But you don't stop there. You go to the Bible. And that's big things and little things. Sometimes you don't have time to stop and pray in little minute-to-minute -minute daily decisions of what should I do, what should I do. You might be able to just say a quick, help me, Lord, help me. But you don't have time to do a word study or a Bible study. You need to have the Bible shape the way that you think. Look at what God's doing in your life and then interpret those things through the Scripture. He's, God's not in the business of fulfilling your hopes and your dreams. God is not in the business of making you the star of the show. He's not making you the hero of the story. He's leading you to fulfill His hopes and His dreams for you, not your hopes and your dreams for you, which is to find and follow Jesus wherever He may lead. Herod wants to find Jesus too, but his motives are evil. And, and so what he does is he secretly, we see in verse 7, he summons these wise men and he asks them to ex ex the, explain the exact time the star appeared. And then he sent to Bethlehem, he said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you come back, when you find him, report back so that I too may worship him. 
And, and he's, he's trying this, as he's done his whole life, with great success to this point, he's manipulating circumstances, he's manipulating political alliances to try to get what he wants, to try to maintain his hold on power. Of course, we find in the next narrative that what he ends up doing is, is going on a murderous rage through the city to try to get rid of the child, and God saves Jesus by exiling him to Egypt for a short time. So the, 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 the rulers hear this in verse 9, they, they hear the king, they go on their way, and there it was, the star is there again. It's interesting. They, the star, it says, showed up after they went on their way. Too often, we want God to show us where to go so that we'll get moving. But what I think the Bible teaches is more often, God shows us where to go once we've already started moving, once we've already started following in obedience. So we don't know the whole path, we don't know the whole way, but we know our next step. We know what our step of faithfulness should be, and we take that step. And it's amazing how when we step out in faith, we step out in obedience, that God meets us in that place and says, okay, I'm glad you're finally here. Here's your next step. But he usually doesn't do it beforehand. The way I like to illustrate it is if you've ever tried to steer a car without power steering. I don't know if you've had, so, so I grew up... Um, my dad would, would buy these old cars, and, and my first car was a 1971 Ford Maverick, and um, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's, it was a car, and, um, and it didn't have power steering, and so what that meant was if you weren't moving or weren't moving very fast, and you had to turn, you were using like all, like it was like full body exercise, trying to turn the wheel of the car to go where you wanted it to go, and the, the funny thing is, though, once you started moving, once you were on the road, the things, it was just like, it was just like any other car with power steering would be, because once there was momentum, the steering came easy, and you could turn that thing, and it wasn't a problem. It's the same thing in life. When you're moving, it's a lot easier to steer, and God's going to start directing you a lot more easily, and he's, he's going to step in a lot more clearly once you've already acted in obedience on what he's already told you. As, as we see these wise men, they go and they see the star and they, they, they go to worship Jesus after he shows them where to go after they step out on that next step. So, so here's the thing. I don't know what God may be doing in your story and where he's leading you ultimately, but I do know that the Bible says that you need to love your enemies, you need to pray for those who persecute you, you need to deny yourself, take up the cross. You need to follow Jesus. You need to maintain sexual purity. You, you need to follow what the Lord has already said. You need to honor your father and mother. You need to be truthful. You need to obey the Ten Commandments. Those are all things that God has already told you. There's no mystery about His will. He has told you what His will for you is. And as you step out in repentant obedience and faith, then perhaps He'll show you the next step. Sever the root of bitterness, flee from youthful lust, crucify gossip, do all things without grumbling or complaining. And notice what it says, it led them in verse 9, until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. God's direction always has a single destination. Ultimately, God's direction is to take you to Jesus. 
His direction for you is not circumstantial. It is Christological. What, what he wants for you, all of these things are just different ways he wants to get you to his son, the one way. And he, they find them and they're overwhelmed. Look at verse 10. They see the star and they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, verse 11, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. God's promises and his purposes are coming to pass. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. What's happening here is that God is fulfilling his promises to bring the wealth and the glory of the nations under subjection to King Jesus. Isaiah 60 verse 3 says that nations will come to your light and wings to your shining brightness. Isaiah 60 verse 6, caravans of camels will cover your land and they will carry gold and frankincense and proclaim the praises of the Lord. So as God, in Revelation eleven fifteen 15, it says that the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. What these kings are doing is they are bringing a first fruits offering of all the nations to the feet of King Jesus. And one day when Jesus returns in power and glory, not in humiliation like he came the first time, but in exaltation with riding on a white horse with a, with a trumpet sound, he is going to come and all of the nations and all of the wealth and all of the power is going to be put under the feet of King Jesus. And Caesar will reign no more, but Jesus will be all in all. Just finished my own F260 Bible reading plan last night from this past year. And I ended in Revelation 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22. Fallen is Babylon the great. The wealth of the nations has come under judgment and will all be brought into subjection to King Jesus. And that's true for all nations and it's true for all people. Every person will bow their knee to King Jesus. They will either bow their knee as a willing subject or as a subjected enemy. So the question is, are you, going, are you going to bow your knee to him in 2019? Because I can tell you, that's his will for you in 2019. What does God want for you in 2019? I don't know circumstantially. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that looks like in terms of specific circumstances and, and, and jobs and schools and family. And I don't know how that's all going to play out. And you don't either, but I do know that what God's will for you in 2019 is for you to go into the stable and bow before the king. God's will for you is that you would find Jesus and fall before him in worship. God's direction always has a single destination, and that is Jesus Christ. When, I, when my first daughter was little, I wrote a little song for her uh, that I would just sing to her as I rocked her. You know, and now she's big, and I sing to her and in bed, and I'll, we sing. Now we've sung it, and we've added more verses. Um, but one of the one of the things we, we sing, and that our prayer for our kids has been, uh, it, and the words go, Adeline, hope we pray for you, we pray for you that Jesus would show you the way, that you would know Him and love Him and trust Him and follow wherever He leads. Now that's God's will for you too. He wants you to know Him, to love Him to trust him, and to follow wherever he leads. Know him. Get into the Bible. Get into, get into the prayer closet. Get, in, get into community. Get, get into what he's offering to you. To know him 
because you can't love him until you know him. But when you know him, you love him. And to trust him, to say, God, whatever it is, whatever you want, I will give it to you and I will trust you with it. I will give you what is most precious to me and I will trust you with it. And to follow him wherever he leads. Don't buy into the modern naturalist assumption that God doesn't put special stars in the sky to lead us. He does. He enters into our situation. He enters into our story. He takes over the night sky and he leads pagan astrologers to the foot of the king. We live in a world that's charged with the supernatural working of God, often in and through the natural ways and rhythms of our life. And your circumstances, he's designing to lead you to King Jesus and to put you down on your face and to bring your gifts, whatever they may be, and to lay them before him. To say, Lord, they're yours. So will you look at your circumstances? Will you look and say, and just take, maybe take some time, maybe a few hours before the end of this year, and just say, what has God done in my story? What has God done in my circumstances? How has he uniquely prepared me for, for what might be next? And how is that designed to lead me to Jesus? And a lot of times that stuff is not happy stuff. That's hard stuff. But he's doing that. He's shaping us and he's drawing us to the king. Will you search the scriptures? Will you, will you look into the Bible and realize that your, your life circumstances are not enough to lead you, but you need the guidance of the Bible? And Jesus and the Lord and his truth and his hope and his joy are found in the Bible. And if you're not in the Bible, you're, you're missing out on all that he offers to you. Will you go in to the stable? Will you fall down? And will you worship? Let's pray. Lord, I, I just want to say thank you that you that you align our circumstances for your purposes, that you are, are putting things in place for what you would have for us. But Lord, that we already know what you want from us. You want us to know you and love you and trust you and follow you. We, we, that you want us to come to Jesus and trust him with our lives, to trust him with our treasures, to trust him with our future, to trust him with our family, to trust him with, with it all. Lord, I just pray you would give us a, a great hunger for your word in 2019 that you would give us a great passion to know you, that you would give us a great desire and, and, and burning love for you, that you would give us a, a, an overwhelming urge to trust you and that we would follow you. That's your will for us. And you led these wise men to this stable so that they could find the king. And you're leading us and you're leading people to yourself, and, 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 and Lord, you have many people for yourself in this community, and may you bring them to yourself in 2019, through our church and through other churches who, who are reaching out, because Jesus, you came to seek and to save the lost, and that's what you did with these wise men. You put that star in the sky to lead them, and then you, through King Herod, through his, his own political machinations, you showed them the truth of the scripture. And then they found the king, and they worshiped him. And that's your will for us, too.
We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.